Hey, it's Ryan. Welcome to another weekend episode of the Daily Dad podcast. I'm going to talk today about something I think that's important. I'm bringing you an excerpt from a conversation I had with the one and only Adam Grant. He has a new book called Hidden Potential, The Science of Achieving Greater Things. But I think we all have, obviously, hidden potential, not just professionally, but personally. And in today's episode, we talk about some parenting stuff, about self-compassion, about how to be a better parent, not a perfect parent, how to create momentum, how to learn from our mistakes and from our own parents. Adam's a great guy. I've known him for a long time. Follow him on social at Adam Grant and at Adam M. Grant. Go to his website, adamgrant.net. Check out the new book, Hidden Potential, The Science of Achieving Greater Things. I think you'll like, I think there'll be a bunch of parenting lessons in this little excerpt for you now. If your view of the world is that things succeed because they are perfect or because they were the absolute right thing at the right time in the right moment, that's a much more intimidating bar than the bar of, hey, actually, no, it's it's things being pretty good. It's things being different. It's things being unique. And then that person really hustling, really committing, really, you know, developing the connections, really building the community. If, if you see it as part of a larger package, suddenly I think it feels much more attainable to you, but it's also much more actionable to you. Like you can get started on that and start the process now. Like if your view of Atomic Habits is that James Clear is the single greatest writer of all time, and that is the, the best written book of the last decade, you know, you're going to spend a lot of time despairing at the keyboard than if you're like, no, James discovered an intersection of a bunch of stuff, spent a long time building a really cool platform, came up with a great title. You know, if you, if you see it as this larger thing, all of which are certainly within reach for most people, then pulling something like that off feels much more attainable and realistic than you know, expecting it, seeing it as some, some gift from the gods. This makes me think about the, the common phrase, the perfect is the enemy of the good. And I, I think mm-hmm. what you've just described speaks to that, but I, I think we also need to remember that pursuing perfect is the enemy of growth. Because if your expectation sure. is that you're going to deliver something that's the best, um, then you're not going to try anything that you're not sure how it's going to work. Um, you're not going to tinker. You're not going to pilot. Um, and ultimately, you're going to be stuck in the narrow zone where you're already excellent and miss out on the potential that's not visible to you yet. Yeah. And look, I think this applies in all facets of life, right? Like if you're trying to be the perfect parent, you're not only going to fail, you're not going to feel very good about yourself. But if your goal is to be a better parent than you were yesterday, to be a better parent than you were a year ago, to be better than your own parents. You know, that is an iterative, uh, actionable, and and I think realizable goal. And the best part about it is that it creates its own momentum in a way that comparing yourself against the perfect is the exact opposite. So instead of waking up every day and feeling like shit, you wake up every day and you go, look at how much better I am. Look at the progress I'm making. Look at how things are better. And, and that's really, I think, the critical difference. Yeah, I think the, the mistake that perfectionists make is they review their mistakes and then they shame their past self. Forgetting that the whole point of reviewing your mistakes is to educate your future self. And 
I, I know it's easier said than done, but but to ask, okay, the things that I screwed up as a parent um, or a colleague or as a friend yesterday, what can I learn from those to do better tomorrow? I think is a is a really critical question, and it's probably one that requires a little bit of self compassion, um, which mm-hmm. I've always thought was a, a squishy word um, and a little bit of a fluffy concept, but. The research is pretty consistent, suggesting that all the things that we thought came from the good things we thought came from self-esteem, um, you know, confidence, motivation, growth—they're um, actually much more rooted in self-compassion. Um, being able to say, "I'm only human," um, instead of like, "Wow, I'm a mistake," or "I made a huge mistake." Everyone makes mistakes, um, and that I think is what it means to be a daily stoic. Well, in in one of Seneca's letters, he's talking to his friend Lucilius and he says, you know, how do I know I'm making progress in philosophy? And he says, I know it because I have become a better friend to myself. And I, I find that to be so beautiful. You know, he's not saying, I, I, I know I've made progress because look at all these things I've accomplished. He's not saying, I know I've made progress because look at how many fewer mistakes I'm making. Um, he's saying, you know, I beat the shit out of myself a little bit less, right? Like I, I, I talk myself up a little bit more. I hold myself accountable because friends do that too. I I think self-compassion is a great word that you used. Um, you know, if, if, if your driving engine is how inadequate and inferior you feel, you know, maybe that'll keep you going forever, but it's going to be a miserable ride. Um, so it's, it's more like, you're motivated and inspired by the progress you're making to make more progress. Yeah, I like that a lot. That's very meta. And I think it reminds me of, I guess, of something that that a lot of people struggle with that I've struggled with a ton, which is I feel like every time you achieve something, your expectations rise. And then pretty yeah. soon the you start to take move. for granted what you've accomplished. So um, I remember, I, I guess I even was guilty of this. When my second book came out, a friend asked, what are you doing to celebrate? And I was like, nothing. Like, I'm a writer. We write books. That's what, <laughs> that's what we do. Like, I'm just sure. doing my job. I'm not going to you know, throw a party for that. And she said, to, exactly as you were just saying, like, how many books are you going to write in your career? This is a big milestone and you need to mark it. And sure. I, I should know better as a psychologist, but it hit me that I can't really stop my expectations from rising. And in fact, I want them to rise because that's part of what motivates me to keep aiming higher and aspiring to improve and and grow. What I can do is get in touch with a version of myself that had more reasonable expectations. And so the mental time travel exercise that, that I've become a fan of is to ask, okay, if somebody had told me five years ago, that I was going to publish a book, let alone a second book, and that people were going to read it, Sure, I would have been overjoyed. And so right. I can remember that I've made that younger version of myself proud. Yeah. My, Michael Dell told me his motto is pleased, but never satisfied. And I like the tension between those ideas, right? Obviously, if you're never satisfied, you're going to keep going and going and going. Um, and that's what makes a champion, right? They, they look at the Super Bowl they just won and they go, but I was really bad in the second quarter. Next year, I want to get better. But if the reward for that engine is that you never get to enjoy the rewards of what you accomplished, you know, that's a pretty empty, sad way to live too. So I love this idea of, of being pleased and content and at the same time, not being satisfied 
and knowing you can and will do a little bit better. And, and, and that, that tension is really, really where it's at. That is such a compelling juxtaposition, pleased, but not satisfied. I'm, I'm taking that one home. I, I do, I do want to call out one thing that I think people often get wrong, which is, you know, your, your Super Bowl example. Okay. Yeah, we won, but I didn't like my second quarter. So I want to exceed that next time. I think we expect progress to be basically an upward arc. Um, but it's not. And it's not just because, you know, everybody encounters setbacks. It's because when you encounter a setback, just getting back to where you were, demonstrating resilience is a form of growth. Sure. Sure. And so I look at I look at a Tom Brady, for example, and like people talk about a comeback um, in his early 40s. I'm like, no, it is growth. First of all, I mean, the objective growth his 40-yard dash at 40 was faster than his 40-yard dash at 20. That's insane. Uh, that, that is yes. growth um, in, in the face of decline. Um, it should, that should not be yes. physically possible. And it makes you wondering what the hell he was doing when he was 20, by the way. But <laughs> yes. that, that aside, like, it's also growth to say, you know, given the, the various challenges I faced, given the way that my body has been beat up, can I get back to the level I was at a few years ago? Um, that in and of sure. itself is progress. Um, and I think too many people no. see it as a comeback as opposed to a moment of improvement. Yeah. Or they see, you know, so your, your fifth book doesn't sell as much as your first book. Um, does that mean it's not as successful? It's like, actually know that you're still even remotely relevant five books in is itself an accomplishment that you, that you kept going. You didn't get complacent and, you know, rest on your laurels is itself an accomplishment. And so, yeah, you, it feels weird to say you have to grade on a curve, but you do have to grade on a curve and you have to see these things in the context of, uh, of, of where they actually sit, not, not compared against some perfect ideal and not compared against other people. But as you say in the book, you, you, you measure yourself against yourself. That's really how you fulfill your potential, right? That's what we're trying to do. We're not trying to fulfill objective potential. We're trying to fulfill our potential or our hidden potential. Um, and if we lose sight of that, I think it, it makes us uncomfortable, but in a bad way. <laughs> yeah, that's very well put. Well, Adam, this was amazing. I, I love your stuff as always. And uh, hopefully we can do this in person someday. I will look forward to that. Thanks for having me, Ryan. It's that time of year when temperatures drop and your immune system needs extra support. We're already seeing this in my house. Kids are coming home sick. Well, if you want to proactively support your immune system throughout the holiday season and into the new year, that's where today's sponsor comes in. During cold and flu season, I'm doing everything I can to make sure I stay healthy. That's why I use Propolis Immune Support Throat Spray from Beekeepers Naturals. Their immune support throat spray. I use it when I travel and I'm doing talks. And it's easy to use. It's effective. You can bring it everywhere with you and it tastes delicious. Just four sprays daily supports immune health and helps you feeling your best at all times. Today, Beekeepers Naturals is offering you an exclusive offer. Go to beekeepersnaturals.com slash daily dad or enter daily dad to get 20% off your order. That's B-E-E-K-E-E-P-E-R-S 
N-A-T-U-R-A-L-S dot com slash daily dad or enter code daily dad. Beekeepers Naturals products are also available at Target, Whole Foods, Amazon, CVS, and Walgreens. Hey, you're listening to the Daily Dad Podcast, one meditation a day inspired to help you do your most important job, which is be a great father. These are meditations inspired by ancient wisdom, psychological research, and just great strategies from normal dads just like you. Thanks for listening.